doing a series uh, that we started at the beginning of the semester, uh, that we've been going these last several weeks, that we are calling, hold on, I'm also in charge of this part. Let's see if I can, we <laughs> can call the series, I've got something to say, right? So we've been talking about the things God gives us to say, the message that God put on our hearts, uh, the ways God wants to use you and to be a, a mouthpiece to your generation. We looked at the prophet Jeremiah, how God called him into ministry, gave him a word uh, for to speak to the people, uh, and how we talked about how God has a purpose and a plan for your life as well, things he wants to use you to do, things he wants to use you to speak, to communicate for his glory. And then you've been hearing from different members of the staff team share and their, their best sermon ever, and the message that really resonates with their heart, maybe it's a passage of scripture uh, that, that really connects with their heart that, I mean, this is what God's put me on earth to say. And this is the word for my generation. And this, if I, if I got to preach one message, this is it. Don't miss this. And so you've been hearing a, a group of fantastic messages these last few weeks. Has that blessed y'all? Have you been enjoying that? Uh, Pastor Michael from Believe in Her Church was here last week. Man, that challenged me. I hope it challenged you as well. Uh, tonight, you get to hear from our very own Derek Reed. Uh, Derek, I'm going to come Derek's got something to say. It's going to bless your hearts. Uh, yeah, take it away, Pastor Derek. Pastor Derek. My Uncle D did Pastor Derek tonight. I can dig it. It's okay. So if you guys can wait for a second, I need you guys to do a quick favor. Is that okay? So on the count of three, I want you to shout, scream, make all kinds of noise, bang on chairs, stomp the floor. Can you do that for me? One, two, three. Was that a little uncomfortable for anybody? No? Oh. Well, oh, I thought it was. So I want to do our ever so famous talk to the person next to you. So I want you to find someone next to you that you do not know very well, or at all for that matter. And I want you to do that and answer a question. So find a person in 30 seconds you don't know, you haven't met for the first time, and I'll answer you guys a question here in 30 seconds. Go. Alright, you guys ready to move on? Yes. Alright. Yes, sir. Let's grab a seat. Let's get a little comfortable so we can get a little more uncomfortable. That was, that was a little delayed. A little more uncomfortable. Oh, wait, there it is. Yeah, alright. So, you guys want to hear my comfortable story? Yes. It's kind of a long one, so get cozy, get some popcorn, get comfortable. Because it's really weird. So you guys probably know me very little. I think there's a lot of new faces I met today. But a little bit about I grew up in Cincinnati. Yes, Cleveland. It's the best city on God's green earth, Cleveland. Cincinnati, Ohio. It's the best city. It's full of a lot of okay sports teams, some big Fortune 500 companies, and a lot of diversity. It's a huge melting pot. Except for me, I don't really have that luxury. You see, I grew up in a biracial home. You know, grew up with my mom's white, dad's black, love him to death. Unfortunately, when I was 11, my dad passed away. He was diabetic, and could believe me about it, you know, it was just unforeseen situations that took place. And because of that, I spent a lot of time with my mom's family, which was, which was all white, which is, it was okay. I mean, I love my mom's family, they're great, they're blessed us, but it definitely felt a little weird. Moving on through um, high school and your grade school, I was in majority white private schools. If you go to Cincinnati, you throw a stone anywhere, you're in a Catholic church, a Catholic school, and a Starbucks. It's 
crazy to say, everywhere you go, there's, there's Catholic churches in Billy, which is great, because that, that's, that's part of my story. And so I'm not ashamed of, of who I am and love every, every minute of it. In my high school, in my elementary school, I was probably one of three minorities. And it was a little uncomfortable, it was a little weird, but it was okay because, you know, you know, God made a lot of ways, made a lot of good friends, and finally got to college. I was out of the private schools, in the public sector, <clears throat> public schools, and was still a majority, probably white school for the most part. And it was like, you know, it was okay. I mean, I still loved people I interacted with. Kafka was great, made a lot of good friends. But it was still, something was different. So I finally graduated. It is possible. It took me seven years. But I finished. You all can do it. I promise. I graduated with a degree in social work. And so moved back home to Cincinnati. And again, job work with the largest nonprofit in Cincinnati, or one of the largest nonprofits. As a transitional housing specialist, well, what is that? Essentially, I took people who were on the streets who were homeless and mentally unstable, and we helped them find housing, get them into nursing homes, get them into rehabilitation centers, and that was my job. And so, you know, I remember the first day on the job, I was excited. You know, two weeks of training, it was great. I could see all parts of the agency, all parts of the company. It was awesome. And then, training were off, got my first caseload. I had about five people on the caseload, you know, trying to get me, you know, into the system, you know, pretty well. And I picked my first client, it was first week of January, she said, hey, Mr. Derek. I said, how's it going? She said, blown down there? I said, yeah. You live there? I said, yeah. Someone got shot there last night. Like, I'm probably going to find a new job starting tomorrow morning, because I'm not about to stay in this over the Rhine, West End to get shot. But I stayed, because I felt like God wanted something to teach me through all this. And so, you know, I move on to, like, my next stage, I get... 15, 20 caseload, you know, like, all right, finally get, get all these clients, I'm making an impact. And it was kind of funny, you know, I was looking through my roster, it's like, man, most of my clients are black. I go to the, the job of services, they go to the free store food bank, like, all my clients in one place I go to are black, all into my office, and it's, I realized, huh, and I realized all my coworkers and my team of like six, including my boss, were all black. They're also all women, so it's way outnumbered. You know, and so you think, okay, Derek, you're, you're black, right? Well, yeah, I kind of am, but like, uh, so I didn't know who Trey, who Trey Songs is. Is he still relevant? Does anyone know who Trey Songs is? So I didn't know who he was. I'm like, can we get some very low in here? I mean, like, I grew up on country music, and like, you know, Phil called, like, you know, they're trying to be in that, in that world. And at least my coworkers were until like, you know, I could not connect. It was so uncomfortable. I got two more, real quick, I'm gonna breeze through this. I remember the day, it was July 29, 2015, I was sitting down at Page Towers, and, you know, there was a Sam DeBose case, um, it was a officer ball shooting in, you know, six blocks from the courthouse, and I was like, man, I remember the race riots in 2001, it was crazy, I'm getting out of here, so I said I told my client, hey, I'm dropping you off, going back home, I'm not trying to be down here, things get crazy. Fast forward, and so, at that point in time, I was like very uncomfortable on black people, for the most part, you know, God was still doing things. Fast forward to... May 25th, 2020, Naples, Minnesota, George Floyd murdered. And like, I went to the other side of the pendulum, and it's like, I was so uncomfortable around other uh, people who were, were mostly white or like officers. I was in a really crazy place. I'm still trying to work things out, but God is working through my uncomfortableness, uncomfortability, uncomfortness. What do you do that way? It made me comfortable. And so, why is all of this matter? Well. My story is not different than anyone else. We all have these people in our lives, situations, scenarios, where we become uncomfortable and we tend to take a step back and say, I don't know if I can be in that world, be around those people, be around that situation, because it makes me uneasy. So, so, show of hands, 
who likes being in uncomfortable places, uncomfortable spaces? Anybody? I see one hand, two hands, three. Four people like being in uncomfortable situations. Five. Well, that's one I thought. You like being in uncomfortable situations? Lula knows. We were at that. Do you see that one day? That's another story for the day. But um, we're in these situations where like we we we, we get tense. We're maybe we freeze up. It's like we don't know how to respond. We might get emotional. We might say, you know, you come to me and catch these hands in a minute. Please don't do that. But that's what we feel sometimes. It's like you're, you're, you're so fight or flight, you don't know how to respond. Tonight I want to pose a question. I want you guys to respond kind of throughout the rest of the sermon. What if God wants to place you in an uncomfortable place, situation, around people to further his message and to further the kingdom? You see, Jesus and disciples, they there all across, all, all across, you know, Galilee, Dea, Samaria, and the disciples often were uncomfortable. Jesus is like, you're uncomfortable, it's okay. I'm not, I'm going to do the Father's work. And now, there's your story after story of, you know, the disciples like, oh, God, we should have, we got here, Jesus, we should have here, Jesus, let's go somewhere else. He's like, no, I want to do God's work. So finally, we're going to get some scripture. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Amen. Because God's word is good. Amen? So we're going to focus on uh, John 4, verses 1 through 15. That's the woman at the well. I think that's right up here. Bam, there it is. Pastor Matt, he's got it going. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptized and making more disciples than John. Though they, Jesus himself didn't baptize them, he and his disciples did. Verse 3. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. So he had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field where that Jacob gave his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well at noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came up to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples went to town to get some food. They were all hungry after a long walk. The woman was surprised that Jews didn't talk with Samaritans, and she said, You're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan, how dare you talk to me? That's kind of my version of it. <laughs> Jesus replied, If only you knew the gift God has for you, and who you were speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. And she said, oh, and this and the well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, you don't think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoy? Verse 13, Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water will give these thirsty again becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving eternal life. Verse 15. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, and I will be never be thirsty again. I won't have to come here to get water. So right before all this happens, we're in John 3, you know, famous John 3, 16. Jesus and Jesus disciples are baptizing people in his name. Pharisees, they're not having it, so Jesus says, let's go into Samaria. Jesus wasn't afraid. He knew that his time had not come to be on the cross. So he had moved on to the next village to share the gospel. So, looking at verse 4, really quick. Jesus had to go in Samaria and Galilee. But why Samaria? Why did he go to Samaria? Was it to get some brand new sandals? Was it to visit Samaria at their nice Airbnb? Was he getting flawful numbers because he was kind of hungry? Maybe hungry? No. He was meeting a spiritual need, not a physical need. Once Jesus got at the destination, he decided to rest and dig with well, and how long that walk took from, from Judea to Samaria? Just ballpark guess. Think what? A couple hours, a couple days. What do you guys think? How many days? Four. Four? Do you want to see my notes? 
It was actually five, but you're pretty close. But five days, five days walking through the heat and the sun and, the, and sweating and probably a little food and water. I'm not sure how much they consumed. But obviously, they were famous for going to town to get the food. I think the longest I've done in a walk was five miles over eight hours. So we took some breaks. We had, you know, running water. We had um, our backpacks. We had some Game Boys. I think we, we used to, like, from our backpack, the, the scholarship would know we brought video games. So, like, we had it easy. Jesus had, to, well, he had nothing. He had to walk and walk and walk through all that heat, hot, and sun. I think God wants us to challenge with some of these things tonight. Look back at our own lives. You know, sometimes we're going to maybe one to Tiger, then we're going to Oxford, we're going to uh, Little Rock, or Mississippi, or any of these places. We're going to maybe this Galilee, so to speak. What about when God puts a Samaria in your path? How are we going to respond when God drops a Samaria? He says, I want you to go to this place. And you're like, man, i got stuff to do. But God says, there's a Samaria I want you to go to. Looking on to verse 7, soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. The term, I think, soon, I try to find how soon that was, it's kind of very vague. Maybe soon was 12 minutes, maybe it was an hour and a half, but it was a very long time. He's sitting there baking in the hot sun. The disciples left to go get food. He's by himself in the hot sun. So eventually, she came. And I would imagine, sorry, let me back the track, I'm sorry. So, let's say we're in our Samaria, right? We're waiting for God to move. Oftentimes we're going to come across that temptation to like to, to bug out, you know. So let's say, in pain of theory, let's say that your Samaria, in this case, might be sitting in front of Tom the Tiger, out in front of the UC, and it's starting to rain outside. Like, well, God, it's raining outside. Is the person going to come? Like, God, why are you heading in this place? All of a sudden, you think, aha, distractions. Food's about to die. I need to plug it so I can stay on my Snapchat streak, get my Insta updated, you know. Or maybe we're giving away free PSL Starbucks. I'll go there and get this, and, you know, can you I'll be back really quick. Well, I'll go to, to Chick-fil-A. That line's really short, isn't it? Chick-fil-A in the UC, right? Isn't it short? Like what? Five, like, like five minutes, right? On a good day? Five hours? That sounds right. But so we'll find these distractions to get in our way. I think that will hinder us from being useful in that smear that God has us in. Let's look back at the story um, of the Samaritan woman. Looking at, at the verse, she says to Jesus, You are a Jew, I'm a Samaritan woman, why are you asking me for a drink? This verse is one is one of, I'm sorry. So before it's asking for a cup of water, and I feel like it's a textbook encounter when we're out sharing the gospel. We'll, we'll approach people and say, Hey, like, can I talk to you? And they're like, I got time for this, why are you talking with me? Leave me alone. And can I share a quick story really quick? This is kind of off cuff. I feel like sometimes God will, will put really strong things in our heart to go through the gospel. We were at uh, Rice State one time, and um, we had a contact table, kind of meeting people as they come by and ask them to answer questions today. Who do we think about Jesus? What do about Chi Alpha? This guy in Dylan walks past our table. In the moment, this guy in D- Daniel was, saw Dylan walk by, didn't know the guy, never met him, goes up to him, and this is when earbuds weren't wireless. We saw the cords, you know, you know, you guys know what the cord things are? <laughs> this is before we had the, the, the Bluetooth ones. He went and pulled the cords out of his ear to, hey, you need Jesus. <laughs> you think he got hit? <laughs> he did. Like, I is now serving Jesus hardcore in Dayton, Ohio, wants to go to Alaska someday. So, I'm not that old. Should God say, I would, hopefully I would do it, but I mean, those are actually where God can say, hey, I want you to do this. And he, he, he responded without missing a beat. That man, Dylan, is serving the Lord faithfully today. 
presented by the situation of Samaria was awkward, or, you know, she was a Samaritan, and she was a woman. So, so Jesus is breaking all kinds, of, all kinds of cultural norms and trying to, like, give this woman to talk to her about knowing Jesus. Right? Knowing my father, he was Jesus. Thank you for saying. <laughs> so, then I thought that this one was a little bit uncomfortable, right? My experience is, I'm not trying to say anything to you. Try to share the gospel. People say, no, I'm not trying to buy that. I'm not trying to buy what you're, I'm not trying to buy what you're selling. And it's very tempting to just say, okay, have a nice day, and you move on. We've all been there. I've been, been there. Like you, you feel like so tempted, just want to walk away. But Jesus said, nope. And he pushed a little, a little more. And sometimes you do my apologize. I'm sorry to bother you. I don't mean to bother you. Like, I'll just leave you alone. You know, here's my credit card. Here's my, here's my cash. Leave me alone. I'm sorry to bother you. Please take everything. But Jesus said, if you only knew the gifts God has for you, I think, give me that crucial point, I think that's the hardest part when we're sharing the gospel with people on our campus, in our workplace, in our dorms. It's like, and they don't want to hear what I have to say, but like, give me, let me, let me get one word in. Like, you know, and if God gives a word on your heart, it's like, only God, look at what Jesus has for you. Like, you know, like, how is your, how is your life doing? Are you, are you happy? Are you content? You know, all kinds of things you could say to get people's attention and just to push a little, a little bit further. Jesus tries to get the conversation going with this woman about offering her living water, and she says, and she, she, she is totally missing the mark. She says, but sir, you don't, you don't have rope or a bucket. The well is very deep. And so she's looking at all these worldly things, you know, like only, only the, it's, it's hot outside. She's walking miles and miles from her village to get to the well. So she's, all she sees is just the need for a spirit, for physical um, replenishment, physical, um, well, isn't the word, refreshment. But you just know, like, that, that, that water, We'll do some good. We'll be back at the well the next day, and the next day, and the next day. You guys see a pattern here? And keep coming back to that water. And obviously no one's died of dehydration. Please get the water, don't pass out. I'm not saying that. But you need that spiritual, spiritual um, refreshment. That's, you, need, you need Jesus. So I want to um, kind of close on a quick thought here. So many of in this room today have heard of the Great Commission, right? You know, it's that Matthew 20 and 19. I think it's up here, maybe not. It's okay. I have it right here. Therefore, go disciples of all nations, baptize them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Does it say, go baptize all white people? Disciples of all white people? Um, oh, it says all black people, doesn't it? No, wait. It says all college students. No, wait. What does it say? All people. And I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm always missing that mark. I'm always thinking, like, if I had someone that looks like me, makes you comfortable. But I realized, I'll take a lot of people. I'm, I'm not a mix of everything, you know, and so I don't have anybody, you know. I think God will use those situations. He wants to interrupt our days. There's one more quick story I want to wrap up. I want to do some kind of like prayer here really quick. Um, I was meeting with a student this past Friday. And we're sitting there outside the UC, and like this woman next to me started talking about. I heard the words King James Version by like, oh, it's a Christian nearby. And I was like, what's what she has to say? And she wasn't saying much, which is a which is fine. I like, I was because it got muffled. There was wind outside, the fountains shooting off. You know, the people tapping outside. But like, I, said, I gotta talk to this person. So I, I told this, this friend of mine, hey, let's go talk to her about Jesus. And he's like, oh, no, no, okay. okay. Say here, I'm going. And like, it was like a bad thing. It's like, you know, um, I feel like we need to share this gospel with this person. And so 
whenever her talk with her, she's like, yeah, I was at the pancake breakfast you guys did, and like, I'm just trying to figure things out, and it's like, hey, you know what, if you have any questions, like, I'll, I'll pay her, talk to one of our female leaders, like, I'll take care of you, like, we, like, we want to make sure you're well, well taken care of, and she's like, I'll consider that. Sowing seeds is so important. I think we miss the mark, because if you think about sowing seeds, watering, God will provide the increase, right? You don't have to get someone saved, like, in 30 seconds, baptized, speaking in tongues, and coming past her within the next 45 minutes. That's not realistic. Well, I guess Lester Paul, he had a pretty fast transformation, didn't he? Maybe he's an exception to the rule. Uh, so I don't know where this room is at tonight when it comes to sharing the gospel. Um, where is that sign she had going around? Is it? Oh, perfect. So I want to have like a kind of a two-part challenge here tonight before we come and pray. It, it has been in my heart the past few weeks, possibly before the semester started, actually, to really re-amp up our evangelism on this campus. And so I'm not the kind of person, but I love doing it, and I want to train y'all to do it too. And so I'm passing this sheet around, and so I feel like this, this message is like throwing anything up at you. It's like, man, I can, I can, I can take a risk. I can turn the gospel to someone. I can, I can risk it. I want you guys just to kind of come to me afterwards and fill this out, or you can come talk to me one on one. I'll buy you lunch. We'll talk more. I'll, I'll teach you everything I know. We'll just, we'll just go and just, and just, and just practice because practice makes perfect, right? And so I don't know if you guys are well equipped and practical. You graduate in four years or six months. Yeah, Giango. And, you know, I want you guys to leave knowing how to share the gospel. And so I'll, I'll do whatever I can in my power to make sure you guys are really equipped and take you out personally one on one to share the gospel on this campus. So that's, that's the first challenge. Second challenge is like, look around this room. And I love all y'all. I love our, our, fam- our family from uh, City Church. Thanks for coming to visit tonight, guys. Like, but there's a lot of empty spaces. This seat's probably like you know, 300 or so, I'm just going to guess. A lot of empty seats, right? I would love to walk in here someday, you know, next year or so, and see the kingdom. Love to see people from China, the Mideast, my friends on the DR that I love so much. Um, people from Mexico. Wouldn't that be, wouldn't it be awesome? And have the kingdom right here on campus. And that's my heart. I want to have working on over the past couple of weeks of trying to reach into their national community on campus. And we're making slow waves, and so, I believe God can do something with that. So be praying for us as we're trying to make a new in the international community on campus. Um, so we've got a sign key going after service. And Pastor Trent, would you mind uh, playing the keys? And I'm going to have a time of prayer right now. And so um, I'm going to pray for three things tonight. And uh, when you, I'll, I'll list off the three things. And as you feel led, come up here. And then myself, the rest of the staff will pray for you. And so the first thing I want to focus on tonight is... Do you feel like in the story of the story, maybe you're made for like you're the Samaritans, like, you know, I've been like trying to seek these things that aren't satisfying me. Like, I've been taking the worldly things. I just need Jesus. And I just want to know what that's like. I feel like all my sins are forgiven. Because at the end of the story of the Samaritan woman, she finds out who Jesus is, and she drops her bucket and runs back to her village. She doesn't care about that water. She cares about people knowing who Jesus is.
the first pair is like, this is like, you know those American women that like, I just need, I just need, I need something. Forgive myself, I need, I need Jesus. The second thing is, maybe you feel like you want God to be with Samaria. It's like, God, where my day? Let me go off the beaten path and God choose me to share the gospel with. I'll risk it for you. What risk for you is like, you're not doing it at all, right? And you get better and better every day. You keep practicing. So the third, the third thing is, say, God, there are a lot of people that make me uncomfortable. People from different walks of life, different color, different colors, ethnicities, maybe different, different political ideologies, different like church backgrounds. It can be anything. Maybe the, the drama kid or whatever. You know, which, I don't know if one story, so I'm just like listening. I'm very impossible to think of. So like, God, would you hurt these people? It's recent. We would buy the buy the beef with each other. I still want to love on them. Give them the gospel. So all of a sudden, there's really there's a lot. When Saul short goes to like three sentences each. The first one, beautiful, you're a spiritual man. Like, I still need Jesus. I need someone to love on me. I need, I need Jesus to live my life. The second one is God, give me a scenario on, on this campus in my life. You know what's going throughout the day. The third is like, God, give me a heart for people that 